Our text tonight is those words found in Amos 4 and verse 12, prepare to meet your God. And really it's a vital warning for us. Some people don't like warnings. They're not very keen on them. Some people find warnings frightening. Sometimes they find them too overwhelming. You know, even the sound of alarms can be distressing to people. You know, you think of the wailing and the howling of sirens from police cars or ambulances or fire engines and the like. And we know that when we hear them, trouble and difficulty isn't very far away. But friends, I want to say to you this night that warnings can be a blessing. Even though they can be hard to receive and hard to respond to, they can save us from disaster if we heed them. And this particular warning is essential because we are all very much at risk and we need to hear what the Word of God says. When I used to teach history, which is a long time ago now, we used to have recordings of the sirens that were used in World War II. And there'd be times when we used to teach that subject that we would often play them in the sort of the classrooms. And we also had a, a hand crank siren uh, that they used to use in the sort of air raid shelters, etc., used when enemy planes were approaching the cities. And, you know, you can imagine that ominous hum of planes would be greeted with these loud sirens which warned that danger was approaching. And when people heard the siren, it was vital that they stopped what they were doing, that they went to the nearest shelter or place of safety. And once the, the danger had passed, as the people emerged, they could see the, the devastation that had been done the tragedy and all the loss and the, the tragic loss even of life. The sirens were the warning and no doubt people hated the sound, but it was so important. And friend, the way that you think about warnings, it says a lot about you, whether you are wise or foolish. A fool wants to throw off warnings, wants to, to get rid of them altogether, just wants to do his own thing and doesn't want to be interrupted with, with warnings or any thought of consequences for his actions. But a wise man realizes that without warnings, there is no time to prepare for those dangers and the ultimate danger which is ahead. And that's why this text is so important to us tonight. Amos inspired of the Holy Spirit, is saying, prepare, prepare. You say, well, well, what are we to prepare for? Prepare to meet your God. And you say, well, when? Well, in the day of death and in the day of judgment. We've just sung about it. Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And so there is that, that private judgment for the soul and then in the resurrection day, at the consummation of all things, when Christ comes in heaven and glory, all the bodies will rise from the dead and everyone will appear before God. That great and awesome day. And God is telling us here in the words of Amos that we are to prepare for that. In fact, it would be foolish not to prepare for that. And it is so good that God in his mercy has granted us this opportunity to hear his word, granted you the opportunity to be here. But let me ask you this. Are you preparing to meet your God? Are you preparing for that day of death and judgment? That is what Amos is saying to everyone who has ears to hear. The first thing I want you to see very clearly tonight is that God is gracious to warn us. 
God is gracious to warn us. God is, is so kind and gracious to give us these warnings. In fact, it's one of the evidences of the love of God, one of the signs of his grace and his kindness that he gives warning to people like you and me. You know, there are those who think that to love someone is to not to tell them difficult things. But true love tells the reality. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone listens, but God is gracious to give us these warnings, to lay before us what is ahead. And Amos reminds us of this, the grace of God in warning us. And in fact, if you look throughout the Scriptures, you see that these warnings come all the way through. You know, think for a moment on the garden. God gives these warnings. Think of the warning that he gave to Adam right at the beginning in Genesis, right there in the garden. God said to Adam, our, our first father, when he was still innocent of any sin, he says, now Adam... This garden is your home. You can eat of any or all the fruits of the garden to your heart's content. But of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, you may not eat. In the day you eat thereof, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. That was the warning. It was a clear warning to Adam. He had so much. There was one thing for him not to do. And you know, with such a warning, it also meant that Adam could never say to God, you never told me. You never told me that. God did tell him very clearly, a clear warning, and the warning was ignored. Devastation followed. You think of the flood, moving on a little bit further. You know, think of Noah in the Old Testament, the great flood. How long was Noah building his ark? Do you remember the warning that he was giving to the people alive at the time before the flood? It took him 120 years to build this vast ship. And all the time he was warning the people, telling them that if they didn't come into the ark at the right time, you know, they would perish in this great devastation. And what did they do? They laughed at him. And they mocked him. And only eight people went into the ark. He, his three sons and their wives, eight persons saved by the grace of God. And all the rest were swept away by the flood. And yet God was gracious in that time to give those warnings. So many more could have gone into the ark. It was a, a vast ship. It would have taken thousands of people probably. And only eight went in. The warning had constantly been given and it was ignored. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed by fire, coming down as brimstone from the Lord from heaven. God brought great judgment upon those lewd and lawless, godless cities. And you say, well, did they get a warning? Well, yes, they did. Lot lived among them. Lot sat in the gate. He was a, a sort of magistrate, a politician, if you like, and they knew that he was different from the rest of them. In 2 Peter 2 verse 8, it says, Lot, that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Even though he was there, and it wasn't creditable to him that he was, but he was there. And his life bore witness to the fact he was a God-fearing man and they didn't like it. They had that warning. And then, of course, there is Messiah's warning. You think of the Lord Jesus and how he gave a warning to the Jews of his day. Luke 23, Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, for indeed the days are coming. And he, he gives this great warning. Days when armies would encircle Jerusalem and take them away captive. The most terrible persecution. And they wouldn't listen to his warnings. They wouldn't believe him. 
And all that was said came to pass in AD 70 when Roman armies came and slaughtered the people indiscriminately. And they took over half a million people into captivity as slaves to Rome to help build the great amphitheaters and the Colosseum and then to throw them in them to the lions for entertainment. That's what happened to them. They were warned. And they wouldn't listen. They didn't heed the warning, even from the Lord Jesus. And so we have this great warning here that Amos gives and proclaims, prepare to meet your God. You know, dear friend, maybe... You have heard many sermons in your time. Maybe you've listened, maybe you've not. Maybe you've listened with interest to the things that were said. But let me ask you directly tonight with a heart of concern for you. Are you here and now preparing to meet God? Are you prepared for that great and awful day? Do you have faith in his word? Do you believe his warnings? Are you fleeing from the wrath to come? Or is your religion more like an accessory? Something that you can pick up and put down depending on how you feel. You can go on okay without it, but sometimes you like to have it because it adds a little bit to your life. Is that the way you think of these things? Is that the way you you think of God and this glorious gospel, something that you can pick up and put down? You need to stop and to hear the warning. God says to each and every one of us this night, prepare to meet me. As one explains, you had better meet a lion in his fury rather than meet God in his absolute strict justice. And God is so gracious to give us these warnings and he demonstrates his patience and his long-suffering in giving the people opportunity to heed them. Think of 1 Timothy 2.4, God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Such is the kindness and the graciousness of our God. And it is the love of God that bids him warn men and women to do so. That's why we have the Bible. The Bible is full of warnings to prepare us for meeting our maker. It is our maker's book. It is his word. It is the word of truth. You know, he's not giving it to us for for entertainment. It's not just a a collection of stories or self-help advice. No, this book is to prepare us to meet God. And this night he has given us opportunity to hear and to repent and to turn to him. You know, we read that passage in Amos 4 and maybe you noticed that as we read it together, something was repeated over and over and over again. And Amos says over and over, you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Now, just let me take a moment to remind you what this passage is about. God says to the people, I've been sending these signs of my displeasure with you as society. I've withheld the rain and your crops have died. I've cursed you with blasting and mildew and your fruit has fallen off the tree rotten. I've sent hunger and famine into your cities. And yet God says, for all of that, Despite all of that, you've not returned to me. Now, what does it mean? It means they didn't take any notice of God's warnings. He'd warned them, but they wouldn't listen. He gave them second and third warnings, and they they still wouldn't listen. And effectively, God says, how many more warnings do you want? 
And so God says, the day will come when I will certainly summon you to myself because you have not listened to me. I will do this. So prepare to meet me. You know, friend, if only I could make you see this night that a sinner facing a holy God without preparation is the most terrible condition imaginable. You know, the Lord Jesus said so many times, he spoke about the justice of God. You know, let me give you an example, Matthew 5. And Jesus said in verses 25 to 26, agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. And you say, well, what is the Lord speaking of there? Well, you've got a description of a sinner walking along the path of life. And God is, in that sense, the sinner's enemy. And the Lord Jesus says, agree with your enemy, that is God, quickly, before the enemy lay hold on you and send you into the hands of the Lord. And you'll be put into prison, and you'll never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. And that prison, of course, is everlasting condemnation, where God puts those who reject him and never believed his word or trust in the Savior he provided. You can never pay off the price. Eternal condemnation. Dear friend Amos asked this question, are you preparing to meet your God? The warnings of the Bible, they are such gracious warnings. They, they come to you this night. The question is, why wouldn't you listen? Why wouldn't you heed such a warning? Why will you not see the seriousness of your predicament outside of the Lord Jesus? God is gracious to warn us. And then we ask the question, well, if God is so gracious to warn us, why is it that people don't listen? Why don't they prepare to meet God? Well, let me give you some reasons. One reason is that some people are just ignorant. They don't know what God is saying to them. They don't want to know what God is saying to them. They just got no interest in the word of God. They've got no interest in the truth of the gospel. That's the condition of people all around us in this world. And the devil deceives men and women, blinds them to this truth, keeps them from it. You know, the Puritans used to say that the devil takes sinners to hell by a winding staircase. They don't see the bottom until they've got there. You know, you may have seen those spiral staircases in some of the old castles or old buildings, and literally you can't see the bottom until you get there because it's so tight and narrow and small. You just keep heading down until you get to the bottom. That's what the devil does. He deceives people. And each step of the way is a step down, a little bit more fun, a little bit more entertainment, you know, whether it's sport or theater, gambling, whatever, a little bit more leisure, holidays and experiences now, or materialism, money, belongings. The devil all the time is getting people to not think to put off the, the preparation to meet God. If the, the devil can just keep people going day by day, day by day, he's got them in the end because death will eventually seal their fate. And that's why one reason why some people never prepare to meet their God. They never consider the word of God. They never want to be under the sound of the preached word. They never want to encounter the truth of God. And they never know that Jesus He's the only Savior. What a tragedy that they never hear of this glorious Savior. They don't realize what he's done for us 
that he died in love for us upon the cross to give himself that if we believe in him, we can be saved and made right. They don't hear that. And the devil doesn't tell them that. And so they remain in their ignorance and it leads to a, a dreadful end and then eternity. Another reason is that some people don't want to turn from their worldly style of life. Some people treat religion as something in their lives that, you know, it's just a, a pick-me-up. It makes them feel good. And so they, they might go to a situation where they can be boosted for the week. But, you know, they don't want to be too serious. You know, they, they don't really want to uh, follow Jesus in that sense, you know, that, 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 that call to discipleship. No, they're not one of those extreme people. You know, take the, the Bible seriously or allow it to impact their life too much. No, they don't want that. They want to carry on in the world, but they would just like a little bit of religion just to make them feel better. And people in that state of mind, again, they're slowly going down that staircase step by step by step. As one preacher rightly says, I can tell you every sinner who has died without Christ will give a million worlds to get back to sit with you tonight. Every sinner down in that terrible place where they are suffering because of their unbelief will give a million words gladly if they could have just some moments of opportunity in this life to repent and believe in the blessed Jesus who is the Son of God. Are you in that condition this night? Of those who are half asleep when it comes to these things? Are you one of those who maybe comes along just out of formality? Have you learned anything by coming to church? Have you taken anything to yourself personally? Or is it all just external formality? We need to know Jesus for ourselves. Only you can answer that question. But I urge you to see that something more is needed than simply a bit of religion or pseudo-spirituality. Every one of us, you and I and all of us, need to get right with God if we are to be prepared to meet him. You know, one commentator gives the following example. It's a heartbreaking one. And uh, the commentator was a pastor, and it's one of his experiences. Story is told of a young man who was well brought off and often well brought up, often found in church, and one day he fell ill and the doctor was called. And the doctor examined him and saw the situation and said to the young man, things are not looking good. And the young man said, now doctor, I want you to tell me the truth. How bad is it? Well, the doctor was a believer. He was a Christian. And he said to the young man, he said, oh dear young man, he said, you will not survive this night. You'll be dead before tomorrow morning. That was an honest doctor with an honest message. And so the young man said in his distress, oh no, I've, I've missed it. And the doctor said, you've missed what? Well, said the young man, I, I've missed getting right with God. I've often said to myself, one of these days I'll get right with God, but now my chance is gone. And the doctor said, no, it's not gone. It's not, you can repent right now and believe in Jesus Christ and, and come to him. And the young man said, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. That would be really cheeky and offensive to God. Why should I insult God by repenting now that I'm going to die? I should have done it when I was well. And the doctor said, it doesn't matter. God will receive everyone if they turn to him and repent and call on his name. It doesn't matter what the outward circumstances or sickness or how close they are to death. God beckons sinners to come to him. 
And the young man said, no, I feel that that would be an insult to God. And the hours went by and the doctor continued to try to help him. And the young man fell sick in the night and he was heard to say as he was about to die, these tragic words, I've missed it now forever. What a tragedy. Dear friend, would it not be a terrible thing for you to have to say the same thing? If you came to the end of your life and you had to admit, I've missed it now forever. Bibles I've had, sermons I've heard, church services I've been in, but I've missed it forever. What a tragedy. I could weep to think of the sadness of a person who has been close to God and heard his word and yet is not prepared to meet him. You know, I've given you some reasons why people don't prepare. To each one of you here this night who are not believers, the question is, what is your reason for not preparing to meet God? What is your reason? You know, there's a verse in the book of Proverbs which says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, that's the difference between a wise man and a fool. The wise man foresees the, the shadow of trouble and he hides in Christ by faith, whereas the simple one passes on and is punished. You know what terrible seriousness is found in those words, dear friends. We need to consider them. And so how close you are. Those of you who are not professing Christians tonight, how close you are to this blessed safety which Christ affords when all you have to do in your heart right now is to cry out to the Lord. Oh God, have mercy upon me. Please, oh God, take pity upon me. I am a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I want to trust in Jesus Christ alone. Please, have mercy on me. And whoever you are, however young you are, however old, whatever your circumstances, however you've been in churches or not in them, does not matter. I can promise you that if you pray to God seriously and earnestly without longing in your heart, he will hear you and he will answer. Because those who seek him are enabled to seek him. And I pray that you will be seeking him. And so as we close and draw these things together, you say, well, how should I prepare to meet God? How am I to prepare? What must I know? Well, the thing to know is what the Bible talks about everywhere is that we are sinners. We need to repent, to turn from our sin, and we need to put our faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust Jesus Christ, the only Savior of sinners. And what you have to do is nothing less, nothing more than just to give your whole life to Jesus Christ. That's what you have to do. It's as simple as that, and it can happen in a moment as God breaks in and as he works. You know, you don't have to wait three years or 10 or 30 or whatever. A person is converted, can be converted in a moment by the grace of God. And God is able to give Ears to hear, eyes to see. He's able to transform in a moment. You know, you take that wonderful example of Lydia when she heard Paul in Acts 16. Her heart was open and she believed at once and she welcomed the preachers into her home. Or you take the, the Philippian jailer a little bit later in that same chapter. He was converted to faith in Christ in a moment and taken from you know, there in his 
in his lostness and his despair to be then totally transformed by the grace of God. And he took the apostles into his own home and washed their wounds after having seen them beaten. And he gave them food. His heart was changed. Because that is what God is able to do. And why then should not every one of us here desire and receive the same blessing? God will give you those blessings at once if you seek him. Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. And the sinner who comes to Jesus finds that their guilt, their sin, their condemnation is laid upon Christ. And that they receive that wonderful forgiveness. And they receive his righteousness, his life, his peace, everlasting life. It's wonderful to be taken from death to life in Christ. And as we turn from our sin and believe in Jesus Christ, both of which are gifts of the grace of God, we bring nothing. And he gives us everything. And you know, not only are you delivered, not only are you made right with God, but you are prepared for eternity so that if death comes, you know that your hope is certain and clear and it's not based on what you've done. It's not based on your attempts and your efforts and your good works and all the rest. That's all gone. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. And that is a sure hope. And what foolishness to ignore it. You know, John Wesley said of the believers that were in the churches of his day, our people die well. And that's the test, whether we have true Christianity or not, those who die well. You know, I've had the privilege over the years of being at the bedside of some dying believers. And to have held their hand and to speak to them of the Savior. And to feel them squeeze it in assurance as they face death but facing it with the Lord Jesus you know our dear brother Howell is now in that eternal glory the Lord has taken him home because he had that certain hope in Jesus Christ the question is do you have that hope here's the preparation you'll need prepare to meet your God how simply by trusting in this blessed Jesus who gave himself a ransom for sinners For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel, friends. That's the only way that we can be prepared to meet God, to cast aside all ourselves, all hope in self, to turn from our sin and place all our trust, all our hope in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came and who died and who rose again in mighty triumph. Here's a closing illustration for you. Years ago at Niagara Falls, a young man was employed as a guide. And having nothing to do one day, he moored his boat well above the falls and he decided he'd just take a moment to lay down and rest. It was a lovely day. And uh, the current on the, 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 the shore there, and as he was there in the boat, he was rocked by the current and it was so gently fell asleep and swaying in the current his boat finally worked its way loose and he was fast asleep and yet the boat began to drift downstream and spectators on the shore they saw this young man's great danger as he started to make his way towards the falls and they tried to shout to him to wake up and to to try and rouse him from his slumber and still asleep the 
the, the rapids began and he was swept towards the falls. At one point, the boat came to rest against a rock that protruded in midstream. And seeing their chance, the bystanders, they, they, they redoubled their efforts to try and awaken this sleeping man. And they were shouting, wake up, get on the rock, get on the rock. And in the swirling water, the boat with its sleeping passenger soon broke free of the rock and began to carry on heading for the falls. And at last the guy, wakened by the thundering roar of this great drop, plunged helplessly over the falls to his death. How terrible to be asleep in the boat, calmly and unconsciously drifting into the very jaws of death. And friend, that surely illustrates the difference, the indifference of people today. Unconcerned as to eternity, unconcerned, fast asleep in their sins. Perhaps lulled by temporary pleasure, soothed into false confidence by their dependence on a, you know, a good life or you know, some religious profession. 2 Corinthians 4.4, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Oh, friends, let me ask you this. Are you safely moored on the rock? Or are you drifting with the current? Do you have Christ as your Savior? Or are you just caught up in this world, heading to a lost eternity, approaching destruction? Well, here I am this night, shouting to you to wake up, to wake from that sleep of death, and to come to life in Christ. If you keep putting off being saved, you may suddenly wake up too late and find yourself taking that last fatal plunge into death and the agony of a lost eternity. God has graciously given you this opportunity tonight, this warning. Prepare to meet your God. How do you prepare? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's it. Prepare to meet your God. Prepare by believing in Christ. That's it, dear friends. That's our hope. That's the message of this church. Jesus Christ and him alone, our hope in life and death. Amen. Amen.